Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. Folks, you are back. You are back with your Kamada Wealth Education leaders here on Kamada Wealth Education Radio. Rob, moose lips a little bit closer to the microphone. Please get ready. In case you have to talk. You may have to talk, Rob. You may have to talk. So, uh, finishing. Huh? You can hardly wait. And that's right. That's, we don't have any more time, Rob. The, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said at the proctologist's office. Boy, oh boy. You can hardly <laughs> wait, but they could. Huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, uh, um, so, continuing with the, uh, the discussion just before the break, Rob, would you care to expand on a sequence of return risk? And then we'll get into the municipal bond leads. Right? Yeah, you could, you could have uh, different returns every year. They could, they could in aggregate, end up being the same returns. But depending on how they start out, especially if they go down, you could really put yourself behind the eight ball if you're relying uh, on uh, your retirement portfolio to generate an income. I think a lot of people were really shocked in uh, 08 when you know, they were looking to start taking income off their retirement portfolio only to find out it was worth 40% less. So, uh, you know, you, you have to pay keen attention to, you know, how you develop your rate of returns over time. Okay. Mouth back to the microphone. You can handle the pen without uh, having to move your whole body. Thank you very much. So, again, if we, you know, if, if we sit, let's just look at it this way. If we have, you know, rising returns, building up the nest egg, and then right before retirement, we get into a bear market and returns go down. Just when people are... Uh, decumulating, cashing and spending their money. You know, what, uh, um, the, what is uh, the impact of that going to be? It's going to be quite significant. I mean, you know, you, you have these expectations you built up, and you could see, you know, 30 40% less, you know, depending on the, on the degree of Yeah, you're, ca- you're cashing in chips in the declining market. So if things are going down, as opposed to if they're going up, you dollar cost averaging out, and you're getting more and more, you know, income for less and less shares. Right. So, so the critical thing is, you know, and this is something that really is lost on a lot of advisors and investors, you know, bang and roll kind of stuff or, or, or expanded bag and roll. It really depends on when the money comes out. And if you get into if you if you're retiring, you know, in a period of flat or declining returns, you could really run out of money fast. Oh, absolutely. You? Yeah. yeah. That, and if you couple that, if we have an increased tax increases in taxes, God help us, then you really got a problem. And uh, uh, Sonia, you uh, recently minted retirement income certified professional. You've probably been very, very heavily steeped in this. Uh, Care to opine on the sequence of return risks and how you're counseling your clients to avoid them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> it's not like a... Well, we're we're busy like a, signing like birthday cards here. So. You, know, you know, we keep you on the radio program, Sadie, <laughs> because you look so good. It's only not because, because, oh, my gosh, it's so Only because high. I'm the only one she's who knows how to work the equipment she's got over the here. Per- <laughs> and there's that. She's got the prettiest radio face. Um, oh, she embodies you? tactical investing. Yeah. Hilarious. 
All right, so you have so please share something of value to our listening audience. Besides buy low and sell. I think CJ is going to answer for so both of us. So demanding. All right. <laughs> Uh, Sonia takes another pass. So yeah. Go ahead, uh, Sonia. I'm sure you, uh, uh, Jonathan. I'm sure you've got something intelligent to say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure yeah. he does. Uh, uh, yes, I, actually, I do. Let me just take that hat off. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. As far as sequence, uh, you know, a little, a little. Of my studies during the CPWA was essentially talking about if somebody is taking out income, um, and you do. There's actually two two risks. If you if you actually get a real big downside early on in your income process, it certainly can erode. Uh, at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, as opposed to the opposite, right? Let's say you take an income out and then you have a large downturn later on in the process. It certainly does make a big difference. That seems rhetorical, but you know, a lot of people don't look at it that way. Another big risk they have is when you're taking out income, and I think we talked about this on a former show uh, where a lot of retirees don't have enough equity exposure, is being too conservative in those early retirement years while you're taking out an income can actually uh, hurt you on the end as well, like people that are maybe more heavily into fixed income based just on their age. And you know, beyond interest rate risk, they certainly can be sapping down their sum of money because they're earning so little during an up market that depending on how much money they have and how much they're spending, it could uh, certainly be a, a, not a pot of coal, gold, but a pot of coal at the end of the rainbow as well. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Jonathan, as we seg back into, uh, uh, into menus and, and fixed income. Uh, but it really, really is critical, and that's something a lot of folks don't appreciate um, and, and really should. And we'd wish you would call us you know, for a free report, The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor and How to Avoid Them, to really better understand in your own unique situation what your financial profile looks like and, and if these risks may apply to you. Because if you, get, if you start spending uh, equities or um, the, um, the other risk assets in the declining market, I mean, it's, it's very, very likely that you could spend through all your cash um, the, well before your life expectancy, which could be disastrous, especially depending on what happens to Social Security and some of the other social programs, uh, if there would even be enough for you. Um, so let's get back to, you know, something that you mentioned about fixed income. You know, we're sitting on top of a 30-year-plus bull market in bonds. A lot of people don't appreciate that. You know, bonds have been going up for 30 years because interest rates have been going down. And that's probably about the change, and I think will be a rude awakening for a lot of fixed income investors going forward. Uh, but to continue from the piece uh, from, uh, I guess, two segments ago, the last Jacksonville segment, before we went to um, the Tampa only one, um, is uh, from Jason Zigwood's How Muni Bonds Yield 4% and 2% World. And again, so if I buy a bond for $1,200 and it's paying $40 a year in interest, that would be 4% of $1,000, right? I'm not really getting 4%. I'm getting whatever it works out to, but the, the, the current state is about 2%. Right. Because I'm paying more than 1000 bucks to get the income. So dividing... Uh, 40 by uh, 1,200 is going to be a number less than four. And a lot of folks don't appreciate it. Well, they'll, they'll spend for the bond. Don't make that connection. Oh, it's a 4% bond. You know, you get 4% and um, that it costs $1,200. They, they think, they, they think their, their return is 4%. And it don't connect the fact you're overpaying or paying it a premium. Right. But what happens when that bond matures in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years Rob, did they get twelve hundred? They get their investment. No. They get their original. But what do they get no, back? They're going to get a thousand dollars. That's the face amount of the bond, That's right? Correct. You know, so that is the um, the, uh, the so the, the yield to maturity, which is where you were going earlier, is a lot different than um, the coupon. And people, right. the coupon is just 
the, the, the percentage, um, the rate that the bond pays based on the, the, the nominal face amount. Right. Care expanding that, Rob? Well, and, that, and this concept works whether it's with bonds, whether it's you know with dividend stocks, particularly preferreds. They don't have the same volatility necessarily with uh, bonds if interest rates really start going up again. But you know we see so many portfolios you know having uh, a decent amount of fixed income that these people, if they haven't really stress tested, they're going to see there's going to be a big decrease in the value uh, of these uh, assets, and if they're going to have to reinvest it, uh, they're going to have a rude awakening. They may end up having to take even further risk to catch back up. Exactly. In fact, Zigwig's example is from the Wall Street Journal. Imagine a streamlined example. You pay $110 for a bond that pays 4% interest and matures four years from now. Each year, you'll earn $4 in interest on each $100 that you have invested in the bond. And when it matures, you'll get the $100 back, not the $110 you pay. So you will earn $16 in simple interest, but lose $10 on your principal at maturity, a total gain of $6. Your adjusted return is nowhere near 4% a year. It's approximately 1.5%, mm-hmm. which is $6 divided by 4. Now, under federal accounting and tax rules, a mutual fund or exchange-traded fund would be required to report the honest yield of 1.5%. But a broker or financial advisor, and I use that term loosely, not our kind of financial advisors, but in the, the, the common vernacular, operates under rules from the industry self-regulator called the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, can report it at about 4%, even though it's extremely misleading. Your brokerage or advisory account statement excludes future losses or gains on the bond's principal when it reports yield. But that's really an incomplete picture because those losses are certain. Virtually well, certain. It's got to mature to the face amount, not what you pay. Yep, and then you've got the reinvestment risk. Which is what? Would you care? You want to expand on well, that, Rob? Well, I mean, you know, if the if rates go up, well, you may get a little bit more yield, but you know, the reality is you're not you're going to have less capital to reinvest, and you, if you start getting behind the eight ball, you're not able to generate as much income as you anticipated. You either have to make an adjustment to your lifestyle or you probably need to take on more risk to get the uh, dollars you want. Yeah, and here's here's another example here. Mr. Alamanistitute, I can't pronounce it, but this is the Wall Street Journal, uh, Saturday, October 31st, on page B7. Um, And uh, this client that uh, Jason Ziegler's reported uh, says that, and, and I quote, he says that the yields reported to him by, in this case, Credit Suisse, were deceptive because part of what the bonds were yielding was my own money, the premium that I pay above what they're going to give me back. And that really is the case, right? We can't count that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not returned. You know, who was it that uh, was, I guess, attributed to to Will Rogers? You know, that I'm more concerned about the return of my principal than the return on my principal? Mm -hmm. You don't confuse the two. You know, hey, what? I'll give you 100% return. You give me $100, I'll give you $100 back. 100% return. Right. Where's my first hundred? But those, but those brokerage statements are like the old question: What's the difference between a fastball and a changeup? About twenty miles an hour, but you don't see it coming. And a lot of those statements, you have no idea. Yeah. So that's uh, now, folks. We see this very frequently. You now, point out, say, look, you've got you know this bond; it's paying you know X amount of dollars, but you paid twelve hundred dollars for it, and it's going to mature to a thousand. You paid you know eleven thousand dollars, and it's going to mature to ten. There's a certain loss built in. And most people are oblivious to that. Do you come across that, Jonathan, or Rob, or Sonia? Yes. Yeah? And, and what, kind, what are some of the conversations that you have? Well, no, a lot of times, you know, what it really comes down to is when I'm actually meeting with someone and we start to 
uh, peruse their statements and start to look, and then their statements, no pun intended, on their statements of what yield that they're actually getting. And as you mentioned, you start looking at some of the yields printed on there, but like you said, most of those yields are based upon the original value of those bonds. So I think that they're uh, kind of lulled into that complacent, nap-like state of just assuming that that yield printed on the statement exactly is what they're getting, even though the mice are running around while the uh, cat's not looking, so to speak, with the cat being the client. And it's really just a, a broader, you know, a smaller piece of a broader concern with interest rates going up, bonds of all stripes will certainly go down. They have to. You know, so whatever, wherever you purchase them, if you had them for a while and they're paying good interest, you buy new bonds now, as interest rates go up, bond prices must go down, um, which is, you know, something a lot of folks don't appreciate and probably a significant risk now. I know that, Jonathan, you're... Uh, you're watching the Fed speak quite closely, and I'm pretty convinced uh, that we're going to see a rate hike in December. And I'm not sure if you agree with that, but if you don't, I, I think you'd agree that it will come, you know, certainly shortly thereafter, if not in December. I mean, uh, um, uh, I think interest rates in the U.S. are, are, are pretty inevitable. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll talk about this more later uh, with the 10-year yield, which is just continuing to go up, which is a, uh, uh, kind of ba- basically a continued precursor. Yes, I, I, I'm not sure if they'll do it in December uh, for various reasons, but I wouldn't be surprised with the odds being over 50% that they would. Yes. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that a little bit because they're really walking a tight walk. You have you know, in the economic softness around the world. It was just re- Europe just reported uh, some of the, the, uh, this week. Um, but the, it, the, 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 the take, as I see it, is that the markets really have finally priced in a rate hike. Um, the, uh, the futures contracts reflect that. The stock market seems to have expected and, and, and have re- resumed its resurgence. The noise out of the Fed has been, it's on the table, it's likely, you know, they're not saying it's not going to happen. So, and I think they, they're going to have to get to a point where their credibility really is going to be questioned if they keep on passing, saying that we've got to do it, we should do it, it's right at a time, we don't see any reason not to, and then they keep on punting the ball. So I think it really may become, for, for, for reasons of, if only of credibility, that they do what they have signaled they're going to do. That. And we're not talking about a massive hike. The first one is going to be almost a non-event. It's really not going to affect things very much, but it's the beginning of the change of the tide. In the final minute, uh, any, uh, any further comments on that? Disagreement? Agreement? Mm-hmm. No, that makes, Applause. That, that makes sense. And, and part of the problem is, is they put, they kind of try and go, oh, oh, clap. Anyway, yes, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I do think that part of the problem is they painted themselves in a corner um, and perhaps should have never really mentioned hiking this year if they're going to wait till next year because, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is the global weakness like China for the first time, and this is kind of a uh, foreshadowing on China's influence, is that that really caused the non-rate hike in September. Very interesting. Maybe five years ago that doesn't happen, but that's a whole different discussion. And, John, I can't wait to hear what Cousin Vito Camarda has to say about that right after the break. Folks, stand by. We're about to enter the most exciting, entertaining, titillating, informative segment of the show Cousin Johnny Camarda giving his market forecast and update in a, a variety of different intriguing um, the character voices, some well-known, others uh, about to be unfurled here Only in my own head. ears. Yeah, in our ears and in, in just a moment. Stay with you, Camarda Wealth Education leaders, and don't forget to call in for your free report, the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. You need this, folks. I think you really need this. 800 262 1083 for your free copy. Stay with us. 
Camarda Wealth Leaders' levity is intentional as we aim to be the car talk of financial radio, entertaining, hugely funny, and offering penetrating financial insight and rare expertise across a broad spectrum of wealth-related topics. We're dead serious about money, but want you to have fun, too, and laugh all the way to the bank. Unlike many financial radio shows, this is not one long commercial or constant annuity pitch. I hate those constant annuity pitches. This is Wealth Education Radio, and we aim to share best financial practices that can truly supercharge your wealth. Do we expect some of you will want to become clients? Sure, but because the chemistry is right, and because you come to believe that the wealth leaders, that's us, can get it done better than your other choices. That's your decision. But when it comes to investing, we're fiduciaries. We put our clients' interests first, and that's a promise you can take to the bank. For more information and free reports, call us now at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Do it now while it's on your mind, folks. Fox, you're back with your Commander Mouth Education leaders here on Good Oil Education Radio, and here's Johnny. Johnny, who you got in the bag today? It's, it's me. It's cryogenic thong. Anyway, I'm only here for a few minutes because I got other stuff to do. Uh, don't even ask. Uh, so, what we want to do is kind of go into the current environment here as we kind of slay right through the holiday season. Um, so, who better to do it than uh, often a uh, popular uh, commentator, uh, usually on the uh, CNBC, or uh, disheveled, if not, uh, not you, right? Uh, disheveled, if not lovable, buddy. Um, no, I meant because your last name, not that you're disheveled, you're looking very sharp. But this guy is a little disheveled, and that's uh, Bonnie. Bonnie Frank is back. Don't call him a friend. Just call him early for dinner. Well, yeah, well first of all, uh, I, I'm only here for every briefly, but I certainly appreciate the high accolades, I think. But I'm really just here to talk about uh, you know, some, some interesting uh, correlations as we look at kind of go, going on with what Jeff said earlier. Uh, you know, about the, uh, you know, interest rates uh, going higher. And, and certainly the Fed, uh, you know, uh, not capitulating any longer. It's certainly making the move that we all think they, they, they should. And what we're looking at here in this situation, uh, you got some WD-40 for me? Okay, then don't, no comments, please. So here's the deal. Rob, uh, get your antler out of Barney's mouth, please. He's not able to <laughs> He cannot articulate his lip properly. That's slanderous. <laughs> it's libelous. And I'm going to move on. <laughs> but, stop, but stop chewing on it, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Get up! <laughs> Come on, give me some info here. So anyway, I'm looking at right now. You know, sectors that usually do well in a rising interest rate environment. Really going back to 2009, probably longer than that. Uh, you know, you look at the market in general, and when rates go up, uh, that's usually the uh, the market is pretty well coordinated with that, even though there's a lot of concern out there. You look at the S&P 500 since 2009, it's very highly correlated with uh, rates going up uh, when, it, when it has. Things that, of course, are inverse, uh, you know, kind of negatively uh, affected are things like your utilities, uh, your REITs. So those that have been in these type of environments, uh, or arenas, uh, rather, with a uh, low interest rate environment, you definitely should be aware, you know, utilities, REITs, and, and consumer staples, uh, like, your, your, you know, you've recently seen, like, your Procter Gamble, et cetera, like that. Uh, generally are negatively correlated with uh, higher rates. So that's all I had. And uh, my buddy here, uh, uh, Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Rock's in the house to, uh, to kind of finish it up, uh, at least to, to continue where I left off. Freaking Bonnie. Bonnie, don't call me your buddy. Please don't do that. Anyway, as we kind of move along, what I'm looking for is a whole, whole, whole great season right now for consumer discretionaries. A lot of your technology discretionaries, you look at companies, I know we don't mention stocks, but this is just a whole group. Uh, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Google, whatever the heck they're calling it these days. Facebook, Amazon. Uh, I think you can buy a wife on Amazon these days, Rob. I mean, anything you want. 
one thing I'm kind of avoiding right now, and we've told you in the past, is gold. John, I mean, look at gold going John, down. How, how many did you get? How'd they work out? Uh, pretty back? good, but they didn't speak English, which worked out pretty well when they asked me, what are you thinking about? That always worked out well. That wasn't the problem. Don't ask me. Anyway, the next thing that I'm going to move on to is the dollar. Yeah, the dollar, the beaten down dollar over the last decade finally have been making its due. And you kind of look at the dollar right now versus the global stage with the easing going across like in the Eurozone. Who's that? Pump the magic draggy. You got China. They're all lowering their rates. And here we got Janet right with the stick of dynamite to have to blow our rates up. That's good for the dollar. And if you haven't sold gold yet, rip that necklace off your wife that you bought on Amazon's neck and take it off and just go trade it in now before it goes lower. Anyway, those views don't necessarily reflect those of the station. Those are simply Mr. Rocks. Now, as we move on here, uh, that was it for Chris, by the way, just in case you wonder where he went and he needed a glass of water or something like that. Uh, anyway, as we finish up, again, as we touched on, for those of you that are in high uh, you know, fixed income type strategies with increasing yields, you're certainly uh, you're set up for a situation where... <laughs> You might think you have a plan until rates go up and your fixed income portfolio gets hit. And when you look at the 10-year treasury right now, it is continuing to show no, no ceasing of upside. And, uh, you know, kind of like the inverse of my career. But, you know, let's, not, let's get past that. Pass me the box of tissues. Okay. Anyway, I'm looking at staples and utilities and a lot of sectors right now that are certainly susceptible to further downside with an increasing of yields. And speaking of yield, I'm done. Have a great one. He yields. He yields. In every sense of that word. Thanks, uh, Iron Mike. We appreciate it having you on the show, as always. And, folks, that wraps up yet another hour or so of Commodities Wealth Education Radio. We look forward to you next week. Same time, same channels. And don't forget to call in for your free, the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. Golden tips, perhaps, to help you chart the uncertain waters more profitably and more safely. Uh, You want to read this report, folks. Don't forget to call 800-262-1083. That is 800-262-1083. See ya, kind of, next week. Go forth and profit! You've invested yet another hour in Camarda's Wealth Education Radio, your one source for sublime insight on all things financial. As Ben Franklin said, pour the coins from your purse into your mind, and your mind will fill your purse with gold. Remember the Camarda Wealth Leader's warm offer of a complimentary review of your investments portfolio. That's a free analysis from the financial team with almost more letters than in the entire alphabet, an offer that makes old Ben smile even now. To get yours before we change our minds, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Call now before we run out. That's it for this week, folks. Go forth and profit. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers, and may not reflect the opinions of the advertisers or broadcasters. Performance results are presented net of fees and reflect the reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that future performance of any specific investment or strategy will be profitable or equal to past performance levels. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Changes in investment strategies, contributions, withdrawals, and or economic conditions may materially alter the performance of your portfolio. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk. There can be no assurance any specific investment strategy will be suitable or profitable for any client's investment portfolio. Historical results for investment indexes or categories generally do not reflect the 
deduction of transaction fees or custodial charges or an investment manager's fees, the presence of which could reduce the client's actual performance results. There are no assurances that a portfolio will match or outperform a particular benchmark. Asset allocation and diversification do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. Back testing involves a hypothetical reconstruction based on past market data of which the performance of a particular account would have been if the advisor had been managing an account using a particular investment strategy. Performance results presented do not represent actual trading using client assets, but were achieved through the retroactive application of a model that was designed with the benefit of hindsight. Back-tested performance results have inherent limitations, particularly that these results do not represent actual trading and do not reflect the impact of material market or economic conditions or factors that may influence the advisor's decision-making if the advisor were actually managing the client's money. Back-tested results should not be viewed as indicative of the advisor's skill, as they do not reflect the results achieved by any particular client of the advisor. Barron's rankings are survey-based and not made as a result of primary research by Barron's, but from information provided by ranked advisors. It should not be assumed that all advisor-based data is checked by Barron's.